Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today for episode one of B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper is Richard Parsons, co-founder and managing director at True, one half of the creative spark for this podcast series you're listening to. Episode two will be with Cosmin Gidis, who is the other half of the infamous duo. Uh, Let me tell you about True. It was founded in 2012 to be a different type of B2B agency to break free from the world of short-term performance and the kind of marketing that swamps the industry without much deeper impact. So who better to explain all of that and why they created this podcast? Richard Parsons, welcome to the show. Hey, Stuart. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So tell us from the start, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? Well, for those uh, people who don't know, Don Draper is a fictitious character from the Mad Men series. Uh, But what I think he represents is uh, creativity and intuition in uh, bringing kind of emotion into marketing. So when we say that B2B needs needs Don Draper, we mean that B2B needs more creativity, more intuition, more emotion, more um, human engagement. Absolutely. So tell us about the podcast as well. What's the purpose behind launching this right now? Um, well, we think that there's a, a kind of a, a, a zeitgeist in in B two B that we were kind of hitting this uh, this 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 wave of change that's taking place in B two B. B two B for far too long has been over reliant on a single channel, email, uh, with a lot of thought leadership type content. Maybe an over reliance on technology like uh, account based marketing platforms and marketing automation platforms. But we think there's a lot of change that's occurring at the moment. And that change is, uh, is aligned very much to those uh, comments I just made about Don Draper. Uh, so we think that, you know, we're, we're hitting this, this moment, this, this movement, this momentum, uh, and we want to celebrate uh, all, all the good things in B2B and bring some of the uh, movers and shakers in the industry to talk about what they're doing that's aligned to that, that movement. Absolutely. And how did you settle on the name B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper? There must be a story behind that. One of our mantras is that B2B is all about making clients famous. It should be. One of the big objectives should be all about making clients famous and making brands famous. That When we say clients, we mean brands, of course. And uh, what better than, um, than uh, what better way than to kind of piggyback on the, the shoulders of giants? Uh, even though Don Draper's a fictitious character, uh, he's already famous. So, you know, we want to kind of be on his shoulders um, because we think that that's the best way of kind of elevating the whole B2B conversation uh, and already, you know, talking about it without without doing the usual thing of talking about B2C and, p- and positioning B2B versus B2C. We want to just celebrate immediately great B2B work. And, and tell us what you thought then, you know, why did you want to go in this direction? What was wrong with the industry uh, and what was your vision for the agency from the beginning? Well, right from the beginning, um, Cos and myself worked in, a, in a, another agency and um, uh, we've been in and around B2B. I mean, I've been in and around B2B since I left uni, so over over 25 years ago. 
I'm getting on a bit. And um, always, always worked in B2B specialist agencies. And what we could see that back in the day, there was um, definitely a big, uh, you know, you could definitely see that there were the big campaigns coming from those above the line agencies, the advertising agencies. And then there were the brochures that were coming from the below the line agencies to use the above and below the line uh, language, which I know is uh, slightly dated in, in, in itself. Um, but, uh, but we felt that as the internet came along, it killed off those above the line agencies. They didn't have the trade press to advertise in, which is typically where they were running those ads. And so most uh, of B2B became below the line. It became kind of over-reliant on nurturing uh, campaigns, email campaigns to thought leadership. And um, and we'd lost the, um, the canvas that we used to paint on to help tell some of those brand stories. We'd lost that space. And uh, as an agency, we wanted to reclaim some of that space back. We wanted to look at other channels beyond email. Um, social was obviously a big part for us. And so, you know, looking at those different channels, video, the internet, and and really trying, trying to find avenues to tell those really, really interesting stories for our clients. So we set the agency up to, to do that. So tell us, Richard, what do you mean exactly by a creative canvas? So obviously back in the day, B2B brands were advertising in trade press and they would have, you know, the double page spread to be able to have a visual, a headline working together to communicate a proposition, uh, some body copy to support that. When the internet came along, you know, obviously we had websites, but people started to use websites as an alternative to the brochures. So you ended up with a kind of a brochureware online uh, approach. But the advertising, uh, we'd lost the, the the route to market, the channel to market. So, you know, you might have little digital advertising to start with. They were static images, but they were incredibly small. Um, and so there wasn't the, the space to be able to kind of tell that interesting story. And so B2B just kind of lost its canvas uh, but that's coming back now, especially with video. Video is huge in B2B, and we're finding it to be a kind of a really interesting platform, an interesting canvas to tell a more complicated or, you know, a more comprehensive story for a brand. So can you tell us a, about a campaign that really brings your approach to life? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, obviously uh, our approach, but the case study I'm going to give you isn't our case study. It's, um, it's from Ogilvy, and it's for IBM. Um, IBM have consistently invested in their brand, but they did a really, really big push toward the end of the last millennium. That's how far back you have to go to find some really, really neat examples of this type of thinking. This was the uh, the heyday, I think, of B2B marketing. I think that you know you could call it a golden age. But they relied heavily on video, even even though the internet was a was you know quite a, a new phenomenon at the time. But it was their whole e-business campaign. Um, but they they absolutely heavily invested in television as, as a big canvas for, for their campaign. And I would argue that IBM, although it's had successive waves of campaigns since, you know, it's had its, um, uh, its Smarter Cities campaigns and various campaigns that, that it's been running. I would say that they're still relying on some of the brand equity that they created all that time ago, over 20 years ago. Um, I think that they still are relying on that today. So it goes to show that a, a big idea can really have kind of powerful long-term brand effects. Uh, one campaign that you guys um, did at True that I really enjoyed was for Rockwall. Um, phenomenal success. Um, for those who haven't seen it, can you explain what that one was all about? What was the problem that you had to deal with and what was the solution you came up with for it? 
It's a classic um, uh, product demo. Um, so they came to us and wanted to communicate the physical properties of their of, of their core material, uh, which is stone wool. And stone wool is used in uh, various materials, but primarily in construction, in um, insulation uh, for, for, for walls and ceilings. And they came to us and said that they wanted to promote the seven strengths of this uh, of this material. Uh, and we had to bring that to life. So it was the kind of classic example of if you're selling fire extinguishers, you know, open with the fire. So here, one of the features that we had to communicate was that this material was incredibly uh, resistant to, to fire and, and high temperatures. So we built a, uh, a little kind of uh, garage out of this material. Uh, we put a vintage golf inside there and then we use these flamethrowers to try and set the thing alight and of course the car was protected Uh, and we did a whole series of these uh, always using internal employees um, always kind of finding dramatic ways to demonstrate the properties of this material in its essence the idea is quite simple it was kind of bringing the product to life and in, in this dramatic way but then they put money behind the production of it and that's where I think a lot of B2B falls down. You know, uh, we often we fall down at the idea stage, um, but we also fall down at the craft, at the production stage, not putting enough money um, behind the idea. And in this instance, you know, they, um, they they put their money where their mouth is and um, and the results speak for themselves. Um, I would ask people to go to our website, trueagency.com forward slash work, and you'll see the uh, the case study there. You'll see the videos there. Um, and it, it's... Um, it really, uh, you'll also see some of the uh, the results that we achieved. Yeah, it's a really good one. It must have been a lot of fun on set with those flamethrowers. Yeah, it was. And I think um, what was amazing is that we we cast, um, everybody in, in those videos is cast from their employees. So we had, in one of them, we were trying to demonstrate the, um, the, the way that the material kind of keeps out noise. So um, they have a, a house band um, in this uh, in this company um, and we put them together and we kind of then lowered a li- uh, the lid down on, on top of them so you couldn't hear the sound. There was lots of really kind of exciting ones. There was one where we actually got the CMO to sit underneath in a kind of like a fake garden setting. It's all done in like laboratory uh, conditions. Uh, but she sat, you know, on, on uh, under this fake umbrella um, and then we uh, we chuck you know pour this water uh, a, 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 a you know gallons upon gallons of water down on top of this um, umbrella and she of course um, remains um, remains um, dry so uh, yeah a lot of fun a lot of fun with all the employees there. So with great campaigns like that, it feels like you need a client to really buy into it and and be open and willing to take risks. Um, how do you manage to get them to come on board for these type of projects? Well, 99% of B2B marketing is wallpaper. It kind of doesn't stand out. It's not looking to build fame for for their clients. We know that building fame should be the marketer's number one objective. Um, If you build fame and you're you're one of the first three brands that come to mind, you have a 90% chance of winning the business. So being front of mind, being around when the buyer wants to buy, by being in their head, you need to build this stickiness around your stories, around your brand. And so big ideas are what we're known for as an agency. It's why people come to us. But B2B needs more, quite frankly, needs more of these ideas. B2B marketers are, by playing it safe and looking like the competition and, you know, having another stock image with another rational headline, they're not standing out. And what I would say is that they are the brave ones because they're spending marketing dollars and not getting any results. Whereas a big idea is very likely to 
get those results that are the results that your CFO cares about. So, you know, fame, we know, uh, increases your your um, market share, your profit, your revenues, it reduces your price sensitivity, it makes your clients, your customers more loyal. So all the things that your CFO care about, they, they are the things that, that kind of, that, that we focus on and we think B2B should be focusing on, not, you know, engagement metrics of open rates and click-through rates and things like that, that the marketing function cares about. Of course, we're not saying that they're not important, they are, but it's just that we look to create um, ideas that are going to move the needle, you know, that the CFO would even notice. So what do you think is the secret then to truly memorable marketing that punches through? Uh, people talk about emotion in B2B. We all look, I think, broadly speaking, most people now understand that we need emotion in B2B. We need to make emotional connections with people. But where B2B marketers get this wrong is they think that, oh, well, uh, previously we might have been showing um, a product shot, for example, a pack shot. Uh, But now we're going to move to, let's say it's a technology company. We're now going to move from showing technology to showing human beings. So we'll show the father with the child on their lap, sat on the sofa, working from home. Oh, we think, oh, because we've got some people in it, we must be kind of doing emotional marketing. That's not what we mean by emotional marketing. When we talk about emotion in B2B, we're talking about creating an emotional response in the audience. So it's, uh, for example, if you look at charity advertising, the vast majority of charity advertising is trying to elicit an emotion of disgust or anger or um, rage because it wants you to do something about the problem that they're, that they're, they're, they're talking about. Maybe, you know, dirty water in Africa or starving children or whatever it might be, whatever the issue that they're, they're promoting might be. Mm. Um, and so in B2B, we can learn a lot from understanding the range of emotions that, it, that are out there that, that humans respond to. And it's by stimulating that, stimulating those different feelings in people, that that's how we get them to remember your brand. That's how you become uh, remembered. And therefore, as time goes on, and as you build that memorability, then you become famous. And and why do you think um, the the industry has lost its way, and, and how why has it forgotten these kind of essential lessons? I think it's uh, back to my earlier point that when the when the internet killed off trade uh, trade magazines, um, we lost our canvas, and therefore we ended up using all the tools of those below the line agencies, those brochure agencies. Those brochure agencies ended up, you know, being the thinking that was around the brochure ended up being the website. So to start with, websites were really just online version of brochures. And those below the line agencies have a direct marketing mentality. So they become over-reliant on defining the audience to an inch of its life, building a database around that audience, and then communicating to that audience in a very, very cost-effective way. Now, uh, what I would say is not cost-effective, but they're doing it in a cost-efficient way. And therefore, that's why email ends up being the kind of preferred channel, because you can email 100,000 people, and it's you know pretty much free. Um, you've obviously got to have the database in the first instance. But what we what we found is, of course, because of GDPR, uh, those databases have been kind of decimated. Um, you don't most brands don't really have permission to communicate to their to their databases if they're if they're honest. And so we've started, and I think that the internet has started to kind of become more mature. And therefore, we've got different. Uh, interactive uh, ways of communicating, video, as, as I mentioned, but also interactive assets. You know, other websites have become more than just brochures. And what's your take on ABM? 
Um, there's a time and a place for it, but I think that you know it's back to that direct marketers mentality. If you have a, a direct marketing mentality, then you try to narrow your audience down and down and down. And in this instance, we're narrowing it down to particular organizations, maybe as few as 20 organizations. And then we're saying within those organizations, we know the three people that we want to talk to. And therefore, we're going to kind of have campaigns that are very, very tailored and specific to those people. One of the things that we know is that people don't like to um, have too much hyper-personalization. It makes them feel that they're being stalked. There's a kind of creepiness to an organization knowing too much about you. At best, you probably know them in a database way. So you might have like segmentation in your in your database. And therefore, you might tailor some of your messaging towards them. But what we see is actually quite a lot of generic content that is being artificially personalized. So it might say your name. It might say your company name. It might say some you know, pretty basic stuff about your organization. Uh, often the information is gleaned. Um, the insights are gleaned from the annual reports of these large organizations. So it's always 12 months behind the cycle anyway. But the biggest problem with it is that it's narrowing your audience down too much. And there's lots of research that's come out of the B2B Institute, which is a uh, LinkedIn think tank. They did some research um, that was uh, conducted by Binet and Field. Uh, If you haven't seen it, go and and Google that, Binet and Field uh, research uh, with the B2B Institute. And they talk about five principles of growth. And one of them is um, they talk about reach. Um, and so having a broad reach in your in your marketing outperforms acquisition and it also outperforms loyalty. In fact, loyalty gives you no growth whatsoever. So in B2B, you could argue that a lot of account-based marketing is very similar to loyalty programs where it's talking to the same people over and over and over again, the same customer trying to upsell, cross-sell over and over and over again. And ultimately, in the end, you don't get that growth. One of the stats that came out of uh, the, about out of LinkedIn, actually, is that they say that within a four-year cycle, 40% of people change their job into a completely new industry or by function. So if you're too narrow into who you're talking to, in four years' time, those there will be a completely new set of people that will be moving into your market, but you won't have built up the, the brand equity with those people if you take a too narrow approach. Brilliant. And then one final question. What is your favourite Don Draper quote? Uh, Don Draper's got millions of quotes that I absolutely love. Um, uh, but I think the one that, that's very pertinent to B2B these days is success comes from standing out. Uh, too much of B2B is wallpaper and uh, not even attempting to stand out. Uh, and he uh, intuitively understood that. And now all the empirical evidence is there to support what his gut was telling him. It's a very persuasive case for why B2B marketing needs Don Draper. Richard, thank you so much for filling us in on all of that. Really enjoyed speaking with you and learning about your way of thinking. My name's Stuart Black. See you all next time. Hold up. 